Welcome to the weekly podcast, recorded live at Glory City Church, Brisbane. We hope you are blessed by this week's sermon. Anyway, my name's Joel. It's great to be here. I hate COVID. Does anyone else hate COVID? I hate COVID. Like, you know, COVID messes with a lot of people, but it really messed with me. I was in America preaching, and I, I've been living in South Africa doing missions work there. We were, we were running a, a ministry there. We did a mission school. I got my friend Holly here. Everyone say, hey, Holly. Holly, Holly also got ripped off by COVID. She was over uh, doing our very first mission school. And uh, about a, just, a, just before a halfway through, we had to shut the thing down. We pushed like as hard as we could before it was like, everyone get back to your home countries or you're never getting back again. And, uh, and I was in the States and I wasn't allowed to fly back to South Africa. And so I had to come back to Australia and I had to fly my family over thinking we'd be here for a month. And well, that was in March. So... We we here now, so I hate. I personally hate COVID for many reasons. Um, that's one of them. Uh, and but you know what? We we stepping out of that. Amen. Who knows that God is greater than COVID? Okay, He's greater than a virus. We we believe in a God of miracles. Amen. We believe in a God that can break every curse. And so it's super exciting to be here tonight. I, I really honor uh, Pastor Tom and Catherine, uh, the leaders of this house. Can we just say thank you? Just honor them and just, uh, I know they might not be here, but you know, it, it, this, this is a great house of God that's having impact beyond just Brisbane City. And uh, it's just a real privilege to be friends and partners with this great church. I, I went and spoke with your academy students the other day. We had a good time. And if you're thinking about signing up, you should. Uh, it's going to be really good. It'll be worth it. You know, the kingdom of God is everything. Okay, we were singing tonight and I, and I loved it. You know, our Father in heaven, great, mighty and wonderful is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Can I tell you, when you give yourself to the things of God, the Bible says, seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and everything else will be added unto you. So if you're thinking about it, make sure you do that. Get involved in what God's doing there. Um, some other good news is I had my first son was born about two weeks ago now. Well, that's worth celebrating. His name is Jack. Jack Ramsey. And he's a little legend. And uh, so that's super exciting. And uh, I have a daughter, but now I have a son and a daughter, which makes me feel like a real adult. Like, now I've got two kids. It's, but, you know, we, well, I'm blessed. My kids sleep and eat. So I don't know about you guys, but it's been really good for me. Um, people said the first time, you know, wait to the second baby. It won't happen again. Well, can I tell you, it's happening again. God is for me. And if God's for me, who could be against me? And so I have full nights of sleep, which is apparently a miracle. So that's amazing. And hey, have you guys got your Bibles tonight? I hope you do, because we were just talking about Bible revival. And, uh, and, and I want to preach a new, a new message that I have uh, worked out tonight to you. And uh, I, I believe we are in extremely interesting days as the body of Christ. I think the globe is in interesting days. But I think we're in a real 
interesting season as the people of God. And I, I love that you're talking about Bible revival. I love that that, that word was God's cooking up something good um, because I, I, I really sense we are in a day where the people of God need to find themselves found in the Word of God so you can be built in the strength of His Word so you can have a firm foundation for what we are about to face. I, I, I believe we are stepping into the greatest move of God the world has ever seen. And I, and you know, I, I, I just don't think that's, that's going to come without resistance. You know, we used to run a youth camp down in the, the north shore of Noosa there. And it's an awesome youth camp. It gathers around a thousand young people. They just come and have a real Holy Ghost party there. But I remember that the first one, one of the first nights of camp, we, we didn't do an opener. We just went out and we're like, we're just going to pray for the sick. And the power of God just, you know, turned up in a mighty way as it does when believers pray. And God was doing so many incredible things. We had demons coming out of young people. We had people with self-harm scars disappearing. I mean, God was just doing supernatural wonders. We were destroying the works of the devil. And then as that night wrapped up, out of nowhere, this wind came, like this aggressive wind. And it wasn't a Holy Ghost wind, can I tell you? It was a wind. And we used to, we were holding that camp in a big old tent, an old revival tent there, we say it, or, 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 or a wedding tent. And this wind started lifting this thing up. And out of nowhere, panic began to spread against with all the young people and there was fear and then people having panic attacks and people like, I've got a demon jumping on me and all this resistance came. Can I tell you, when you take ground for the kingdom, don't think the enemy's gonna take it. Okay, there's gonna be a pushback, but we need to recognize we need to be a people who are found firm in the word of God. The Bible says, resist the devil. Standing firm in the faith. How do we stand firm in the faith? Well, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. If you want to stand firm in the faith, you need to be found firm in the Word of God. You know, it, it, throughout the world, there are different denominations, different groups of churches, all different things. But, you know, there, there's traditionally been those who are like Word-based and those who are Spirit-based. And there's those who are just like, all about the Word, and then there's those who are all about the power and experience. But we're stepping into a day, a dangerous day, where those who are all about the Spirit are really just all about entertainment. All about a fleeting moment. And, and we cannot allow, we need a day where the church is merged in the Word and in the Spirit. In the Spirit and the Word. That the things of the Spirit will be fir found firm in the Word and we can advance the kingdom. Because can I tell you, we need a people of God who are strong and courageous. And that's going to come being a people who are found in the Word of God. Amen. So tonight I want to I want to preach about active Christianity, and I, I want to read from the passage of Matthew chapter sixteen verses seventeen, and it's this. It says, "Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven." This is where Jesus said, "Who do you say that I am?" And he said, "You're." Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And he, Jesus says, you, you didn't 
make this up on your own. This was revealed to you by my Father in heaven. Verse 18, and he says, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Can I tell you, Jesus didn't build his church on a man of God. He built his church on a revelation of Christ and him crucified, that Jesus is the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Amen. That's the rock on which we're going to build the church. I will build my church, and it says, The gates of hell or the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I want to read one more passage out of the book of Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10. And I'm going to read this out of the Passion Translation because I just think it puts it so beautifully. It says, Now, my beloved ones, I have saved these most important truths for last. Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious with the force of His explosive power flowing through you. Put on God's complete set of armor provided for us so that you will be able to protect uh, so it will be able to protect you as you fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. Your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms. For they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. Because of this, you must wear all the armor that God provides so you are protected as you confront the slanderer. For you are destined for all things. uh, Sorry, for you are destined for all things and will rise victorious. Our wrestle is not against flesh and blood. You see, our government's not the problem. Racism isn't the problem. Politics isn't the problem. Sin is the problem. And Jesus is the answer. And we have to recognize that we are not fighting against flesh and blood, but there are principalities and there are powers of darkness, okay? this is a real thing. You know, in, when we do work in Africa and South Africa, we are often confronted with very overt spiritual battles. We are, we, with the things that we've seen, I mean, they're even hard to explain. And when you do explain them, it either freaks people out, it goes over their heads, or you end up on an Awaken Africa mission trip <laughs> just to see if it's real. But we, the, the, we have to recognize we have an enemy. And it tells us, Jesus saying uh, that I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Can I tell you, Jesus is going to build his church. And that doesn't mean he's going to build a steeple necessarily. And that doesn't even necessarily mean he's going to grow it in size, although we will win as many as we can. The church is the people of God. Okay, you and I, followers of Christ, we're the church. He says, I'm going to build my church. When he, he's going to build up the people of God in the word of God and in the power of God and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And you know, for, for a long time when I would hear that scripture, I'd quote that scripture, I'd always, for whatever reason, had this picture in my hell. In my hell. I don't have a hell. 
I always had this picture in my head that, you know, we are the church, you know, and we are, we're standing firm in the faith and we're, we're here and the, the hordes of hell can come at us. They can do whatever they want to us, but they're not going to affect us because we're the people of God. And that's not a bad understanding of it. But as I've been rereading it and, and looking at the state of the world, it says Christ is going to build His church and the gates of hell will not prevail against the people of God. Meaning the enemy's got his fences up. He's the one on the back foot, not us. But if he makes us feel like we're on the back foot, then we're going to be passive, cowardly Christians hiding in our bedroom, only just simply praying a simple prayer here and there. But can I tell you, Christ is going to build His church in the Word of God and in the power of God, and the gates of hell will not be able to stand against the force of God's kingdom. Amen. We are active Christians, we need to be the people of God doing something to destroy the works of the devil, to advance his kingdom in all the earth. Let me say this. God is not just looking for powerful meetings. He's looking for a powerful movement. Because meetings can be momentary, but a movement can be revolutionary. And we need to be the people of God who recognize there is a battle at hand. Yes, Christ has won the victory. But can I tell you, if it was all said and done with, we wouldn't have to cast demons out of Christians constantly. One of the things that grieves my heart so, so desperately is when I'm in meetings and I see Christians who are worshiping God and worship and, and I can see they genuinely love God. And when it comes to the altar, the next thing you know, they've got a demon coming out of them. Come on, we have to recognize we have an enemy. His name is Satan and his desire is to destroy your life. But stand firm in the faith, faith and recognize that we have a battle and we need to keep on pushing. I've been so bored over COVID. I've been researching and learning all sorts of different things. And what, my, what has been revealed to me by God is there is such an aggressive attack on humanity. I mean, I had a Christian the other day make a whole podcast about me because I said that there are only two genders. That's not a controversial topic in the kingdom of God. Now listen, if you're, if you're new here and you're, you're like, oh man, this is one of those bigoted churches. or uh, Listen, if those who aren't in Christ are not my concern in how they conduct their lives, Those who don't know Jesus don't need me to tell them to live according to the Bible. Those that don't know Jesus need to meet Jesus, surrender their lives to Jesus. And once they get to know Him, we'll begin to show them what it looks like to be a Christian. But my great concern in this season, because I believe God is cooking something up. I, we need strong believers who are found in the Word of God. Can I tell you, it's not archaic to believe the Bible. Okay, I, I, my, what breaks my heart is that there are Christians out there who are submitting themselves to the wisdom of the world rather than the wisdom of God, and they're calling it love. Can I tell you, love is not love. God is love. Can I tell you, love doesn't win. The love of God wins. Pour out in the person of Jesus. He's the hope of humanity. And we are the people of God and Christ will build His church. Can I tell you, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen. 
And so I want to just quickly go through four actions of advancement tonight. And number one is this, proclamation. If we want to see the kingdom of God advanced, one of our actions is proclamation. It's the preaching of the gospel. Mark 16, 15 says, uh, and Jesus said, He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Verse 16 says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Can I tell you, not everybody is going to stand on a platform and preach to the masses, but we are all called to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. To proclaim is, is to, to announce, to herald, to publicly profess the coming of the kingdom of God. It says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. It speaks about the gospel of God's kingdom. We need to realize, guys, that we, you know, we're called to proclaim the good news. Not everybody's going to like the gospel. And what happens is we're stepping into a generation where people are trying to make everybody like the gospel. You see, the Achilles heel of the modern day Christian is our insatiable desire to be loved and accepted by the world. We're not called to be accepted by the world. They think we are loony. Especially this church. But it's the foolish things of God that will, prove, that will, will, will bring freedom to the world. We, we're not called to be accepted by the world. We're called to advance God's kingdom. And this is an unfortunate truth and not one that many evangelists like to talk about, but some people are going to reject the name of Jesus. The Bible tells us that God desires that all will be saved, but we are well aware that many will not be saved because their, mind, their, their, their eyes are blinded by the veil of this world. Our job is not to be accepted by the world. We are to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel, the gospel is good news. It's, the gospel is, it speaks in one sense of the coming of God's kingdom. And in the other sense, it speaks about the good news that God sent His Son Jesus to suffer and die upon a cross so that humanity would have an avenue for salvation. But the gospel in itself, the, re the reality of the gospel being good news is that what makes it really good is there is also bad news. In the same way we understand the desire for true joy is because we understand great sorrow. The, we the reason we desire to have peace, supernatural peace, is because we understand chaos and fear. The good news is good because there is bad news. And this is the kind of stuff that we don't like to talk about anymore because we want everybody to like us. But if we're loved by the world, it's a dangerous place to be. I pray we never become so relevant at the cost of a revelation of Christ and Him crucified. 
It says, go into all the world and proclaim the good news, herald the good news of Jesus Christ, that He has come to save sinners. The good news in its in, in, in its fullness is that there is salvation from sin and everybody who's not received Him is sinful and on their way to destruction. Yeah. I mean, th that's the unfortunate reality about the good news that we offer the world, that if you reject this man, Jesus, then you will reject eternal peace with God. Yeah, it says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Do you know, it's important to recognize that believe is not to just believe that God is real. Even the demons believe that He is real. But it's to surrender all to Jesus. The grace of God is so amazing that it will take you as you are, but it's that good it dare not leave you that way. Amen. The same grace that saves you is the same grace that will change you and it's the same grace that will sustain you all the way home. Come on, look, it's important to understand an angry God in heaven did not send Jesus to send people to hell. A loving God in heaven sent Jesus to give people a way out. When we talk like this, this shouldn't make us feel like, yeah, I guess that's, it should grieve our heart that the people that we know that don't know Him are on their way to eternal destruction. Yeah. That should grieve your heart. That's, that should break when someone persecutes you and hates you because of your faith. You don't have to stand up in pride. It should break your heart that they don't know who they are. They don't know who they're called to be. They've not received eternal life in Jesus. The Bible tells us in John 3:16, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, Jesus, that whoever, which means anybody, red, yellow, black and white, murderer, criminal, accountant, Whoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that through Him the world might be saved. It says, whoever believes in Him will not perish, but those who don't believe are already condemned. God didn't send Jesus to send people to hell. God sent Jesus to give people a way out. And that's the good news. And we are called to proclaim this good news to all the earth. It says, go into all the earth and tell people there's good news about a Savior whose name is Jesus. And He came to save you from your sin. Not just save you in your sin. Come on, I'm telling you, we gotta be so careful, guys. The grace of God is amazing and understanding your, your position in Christ in righteousness does not exempt you from living a sinful lifestyle. You have a new nature put inside of you so your natural stance is no longer sin. But can I tell you, if you continue to live in a sinful lifestyle while professing Jesus, you're rejecting Jesus and that's not good for you.
Jesus came to save the world from his sin. That's the good news. You're not going to offend people by telling them good news. They already know that we think that. We've just gotten real afraid of believing it. You know, I'm not saying you go out and stand on the street corner and start preaching hell and destruction and fire and brimstone, like turn, repent. No one's going to listen to you. But there comes a place where in our presenting Jesus to people, they need to know what they're being saved from so they understand what they're being saved into. Okay, number one, we're called to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Are we okay? Number two is multiplication. It's discipleship. Matthew, the famous scripture, Matthew, verses 28, 19 and 20 says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and in the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them everything I have taught you. Teaching them, sorry, to obey everything I have commanded you to do. I said it earlier and I'm saying it again. God's not just looking for powerful meetings. He's looking for a powerful movement. Discipleship is how God has designed us to advance His kingdom. It's no good that people just come to a building on a Friday or a Sunday and hear a man or woman of God deliver the Word of God and they go home by themselves and live like hell. Okay, we're called to make disciples. That's going to look different in numbers for people. But I'm telling you, there's a commission in our life to disciple people. What is discipleship? It's to teach people all that God has taught you. Okay, see, discipleship is relationship. It's life on life transaction. But don't, don't, don't be confused. Relationship is not discipleship. But discipleship is done through relationship, through a life given to somebody. You think, what can I teach someone? Something that God's taught you. Start there. And as you grow, can I tell you, the best way to grow an understanding of the Word of God is to know that you have to teach somebody else the Word of God. That's a real pressure. Can I... There, there's part, it's, it's discipleship. It's like the, the people you have close around you, would you give yourself to them in such a way that you have poured your life out for them so that they would be able to pour their life out for someone else? I remember a good story of a young friend of mine who I've spent a lot of time with. He's one of my best friends, but I've taught him and I've, I've given him my life. And I remember one time um, I was sitting at a cafe and, and he was inside and someone came through, someone that he was now discipling came and I, 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 I yelled to him, can you get me a coffee? And he said, sure. And I said, here, take, take my wallet and give it to him so he can buy us all coffees. And he looks at me and he said, oh, Joel, he won't take your money. And it's a really small thing, but it was huge for me because that person he was talking about takes my money all the time. 
Because every time I'm with Him, I pay for Him. Every time I'm with Him, I, I look after Him. I gave Him a car. I buy Him aeroplane. I mean, I've given myself to this young man. But what was amazing about it was the replication that happened that someone that he was pouring his life into only understood that when he was with him, he wouldn't let him pay. It's called life on life transaction. That, that same young man, he preaches the gospel with authority. He casts out demons. He heals the sick. He walks in holiness and humility. Can I tell you, we are called not to just be people of God. We are called to disciple the people of God. That's where the strength of the church lies. That's where we get into the Word of God together and understand Scripture together and let iron sharpen iron. It's good that we gather, but are you having those moments with those people in your life? Find them. You don't have to go up and knock on their shoulder and go, I'm going to disciple you. Just like find those you have influence over and draw them into your life and give yourself to them as much as you can. Jesus spent every day and every night with his disciples, pouring into them. Now we, in our world, that's not going to always be a reality. But can I tell you, we need a movement of believers who are found in the Word of God, moving in the power of God. And that's only going to come through discipleship. Through prophetic people teaching others how to be prophetic. Through, through people who are seeing miracles happen to teach people how to see miracles happen through business people who have kingdom ideas and heavenly insight and words of wisdom to teach other young men how to make money to advance the kingdom of God. It's all part of discipleship. We're to preach the gospel, proclamation, and we are to multiply through discipleship. The strength of the church is not in our meetings. It's in discipleship. Because the reality is that's the meetings that only many have is their small group, life on life, discipleship. In countries where it's illegal, in countries where it's oppressed, it's through small groups of people laying their lives down one for another. Can I tell you, you know, the Bible, uh, it says, it says, the world will know who we are by the love we have one to another. It doesn't say they'll know who we are by how much we love the world. When they begin to see the people of God laying down their lives one to another because no greater love has a man than to lay one's life down for another. When, we begin, when they begin to see the people of God laying their lives down for one another rather than just using each other as stepping stones. They're going to begin to see that the people of God are united. I have this friend, he has such a good quote. He says, he goes, look what the church has accomplished divided. Imagine what we could accomplish united. Yeah. Our goal as the body of Christ is not perfect agreement. It's heavenly connection. We're never going to agree on every aspect of this stuff and how we do things. But as long as we are people that are loving each other, laying our lives down for the other person. Come on, we are called to multiply our lives. If you don't have your hand on somebody else's life, then friend, you're gonna, your destiny and your legacy is going to die out with you. 
But I pray I live a life that replicates who Christ has called me to be in someone who does it to the next person, the next, and my legacy, whether it's known or not, I'll be able to see from heaven the impact that my life has had because I've laid my life down for a brother because it's we're called to make disciples. The reason the modern day church is being so tricked and deceived is because we haven't made disciples. We've just had good meetings. And then somebody else out there with the passion to teach has discipled them into the things of the world. And that's not okay. Because this right here is our bread. This right here is the air that we breathe. This is the Word of God and we find our life in this Word. We don't look to the world and how we're supposed to conduct ourselves. We look to the Scriptures and how to conduct ourselves. And if they don't like how we conduct ourselves, that's not our fault. I recently spoke a message where I just blatantly read Scripture all night long. And you know how many Christians were offended? Because they don't read it. They don't know what's in there. They go on feeling. And then when you go on feeling, you leave yourself open to deception. Proclamation, preach the gospel. Multiplication, make disciples. Number three, demonstration. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, signs and wonders. Come on, we are called to be a people that demonstrate the gospel. Jesus Almost every single time the Gospels talk about Jesus going out and proclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom, almost every single time, I think it's like except for once, it's immediately followed up and then He healed all those who were sick and oppressed of the devil. I cannot fathom people that believe in preaching the Gospel without demonstrating it through signs and wonders. Well, I can fathom because I used to be that person, but God's good. And he got me. And then I started to believe it. So I started to live it and I didn't see anything, but I didn't change my perspective on what I've now seen in the Word of God. Jesus is the God of miracles who heals the sick. He gave sight to the blind. He gives ears to those who are deaf. Come on, the things that I've seen, I, my brain still is like, are they even real? Like it's, you know, I'm serious. Like, just metal rods disappearing. Who can fathom a metal rod disappearing? Some people are like, yeah, that's amazing. My brain's like, what? Like, where did it go? Is it gone or is it now just bendable metal? You know, like I was in Ireland and, and, and I was there preaching and a young girl had a crooked nose. And I might have told you this story before, but she had a crooked nose and we was teaching 600 youth how to pray for the sick. And so we all began praying. And this young girl came after the meeting so excited to tell me that as her little friend prayed for her, she felt like a tickling feeling on her nose and her nose just straightened. I mean, that, that's like Holy Spirit cosmetic surgery. Guys, we are called to demonstrate the gospel. People are sick everywhere. The whole world is shut down out of fear of a virus. 
and we are kingdom people who believe in the written word of God that Jesus came to heal all who are sick and oppressed of the devil. Viruses don't stand against the name of Jesus. Cancer doesn't stand against the name of Jesus. Diabetes doesn't stand against the name of Jesus. We are called to come and demonstrate the King's domain. Whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What, what do you mean? When we come in agreement in authority and we speak kingdoms of heaven's authority, then the heavenly realms agrees and a miracle is performed, guys. Just because you've prayed and you haven't seen it happen doesn't mean it's not real. I couldn't tell you how many times I prayed for people and nothing happened and then things began to shift. There's something about being a people that demonstrate the kingdom of God. And, and I know this church is a church that believes in that stuff. So I'm preaching to the choir here, but it's important. And it's really important not to do it just for a testimony. So how many people just want to tell you a testimony to make you see them and rec don't do it for that. Do it to demonstrate the love of God for humanity. Mark 16, go into all the world, preach the gospel and these signs will follow them who believe. They will heal the sick, they will cast out demons, they will speak in other tongues, they will play with snakes and they won't hurt them, they'll drink poison and it will not harm them. They're also the ones we don't talk about very often, but they're in there. And it says, and these signs will follow them who believe and they will confirm the word, the signs and wonders confirm the reality of the God that we say that we serve. Amen. Casting out demons is a commission for believers. There's a whole lot of stuff and people always want classes and teaching about how to cast out demons. The Bible's really straightforward about it. Go into all the world and cast out demons. You're like, but how do you do it? Well, if you see one, cast it out. Where do I send it to go? I don't care, just not the person next to you, but just cast it out. Well, what about if it comes back? Just cast it out. Jesus didn't give the Great Commission, go into all the world, preach the gospel, heal the sick and cast out demons and worry about if it's gonna jump into somebody else or if it comes back seven times stronger. Doesn't say that. I know there's a scripture that talks about if you don't sweep the house, don't overthink the thing. Cast the demon into the pits of hell and command it in your authority as a son of God to never return and never come back. If you had the authority to get it out, you have the authority to keep it in hell. Then disciple the person. Then find an avenue for them to be connected, someone to help them move into their destiny and their purpose. I'm not anti-counseling people, but can I tell you, we have to stop counseling demons. We need to cast them out, then counsel the person. We sit there and we deal with this demon on repeat for months, and that's why people say, well, they're never going to get better. The thing needs to be cast out. Then you can counsel the person. Then you can disciple the person. We have people that are broken and afraid. I remember a young girl in South Africa, a young, she was an a, a English white girl and, and she was in this meeting we were having and we began teaching and after she said, I really need prayer. I have 
friends who are demons. And I said, okay, well, we're gonna pray and we're gonna believe for them to leave. And then she said, yeah, but where are they gonna go? And I was like, well, I don't know, hopefully back to hell. And she's like, but I feel bad for them. I don't want them to be homeless. The poor thing was so deceived that she had found this bond and connection with demonic spirits who plagued her in the night. All sorts of vicious things I don't want to talk about tonight what happened to her in the night and all this, but there was this connection built that she didn't want them to be lonely. We need to cast that thing out. Then she needs to be counseled into the kingdom of God, discipled in the word of truth. We're called to demonstrate, guys. All of us. It's not for a faithful few. It's not for the preachers on the platforms or the televangelists traveling the world. These signs will follow them who believe. And let me tell you this. I, I don't just watch YouTube and listen to every testimony from Todd White and wonder why you haven't seen as many miracles as he has. They don't tell you the stories of the ones that didn't happen. Okay, I'm not saying that to accuse anybody. I know these guys. I don't tell stories where it doesn't work because that doesn't really help my cause in the meeting. You know what I'm saying? Like, and then I pray for this person and it didn't work. So who wants God to heal you? Who thinks he can do it? He didn't do it then. Maybe he can do it now. Don't be discouraged by what you see. Be encouraged by the Word. But it didn't work, so pray again. Yeah, but it didn't work, so pray again. Believe again. I've seen countless miracles of all kinds of sicknesses and diseases and terminal illnesses and incurable diseases. And then my grandmother dies of Parkinson's disease and I prayed for her a hundred times. Does it still work? Absolutely. I keep believing because the Bible tells me that these signs will follow them who believe, not those who fail and stop. It's called demonstration. And every miracle we see is an advancement of God's kingdom in that person's life and anybody who hears the story about it. I was listening to a preacher the day, and he's a cessationist, but he's got some good teaching on the Bible. If you don't know what a cessationist is, there are people that don't believe in the signs and wonders, the gifts of the Spirit. And I was listening to him and he was doing a teaching on why that stuff's not real. And I sat there and I was like, man, once you've seen it, like, what are you going to do? Like, I remember when a young man's broken finger just unbroke in my hand. Like, I remember seeing that happen. Or did I make, I remember when people write to me when I've been to the church and I go home and they write and say, how hey, I went to the doctors and my incurable diseases I've had for my whole life are gone. You know, it could be coincidence or it could be the advancement of God's kingdom. Proclamation, multiplication, demonstration, Number four, domination. Jesus was made manifest that he might destroy the works 
of the devil. And we are to bring God's kingdom. You know, the kingdom is the king's domain. The kingdom of the world is lawlessness, fear, and depression. The kingdom of God is righteousness, it's peace, and it's joy. And it's a supernatural joy. It's a supernatural peace. Because righteousness produces peace. The world is full of sin. And Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And the devil has been sinning from the beginning. That's why Jesus was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil's sin and all of its effects. We are called to bring the kingdom of God to advance his kingdom in people's lives. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. I said, and the kingdom of God, the the world is lawlessness, fear, and depression. What are the three most rampant things in our generation? Lawlessness, sin without restraint. There is no limit to what genders there are. Right now, there is laws being passed all across the world that are basically numbing people to pedophilia. In Queensland, a baby who is being aborted and the abortion fails and the baby lives is left to die on the bed under Queensland law. Can I tell you, I am not afraid anymore to stand up for unborn children based on how bad you might feel. If you had one, there's redemption in the name of Jesus. Repent from your sin, come to Christ and He will make you whole. That heaviness, that shame, He can take it all away. But I'm telling you, I cannot stand back anymore while lawlessness runs rampant and Christians keep eating it. The spirit of the world is masquerading as radical liberalism at the moment and it's slithering around the people of God, offering them a piece of fruit and sadly many are taking a bite. Lawlessness, depravity, it's insane. You know how you know it's the spirit of the world? Because really intelligent people think it makes sense and it doesn't. And I'm not going to sit back anymore and watch a generation be tricked and discipled by the spirit of the world, by the way that seems right to a man, because the way that seems right to a man, its end is destruction. But the way to true life, the way to true peace, the way to true joy is in the person of Jesus. And you and I are called to advance His kingdom because Christ is building His church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's time we step forward. We need to be active Christians. Stop being passive. You can sit and pray in your room all day. If you never preach the gospel, who's going to get saved? I don't have a problem with praying in your room. Please keep doing it. Intercessors, keep. Please keep praying because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we can't sit back afraid of what the world thinks about us anymore because there are those who are waiting for us to tell them the truth, but we don't tell them because that guy thinks we're a bigot. It's time for the church to rise up. It's time for the church to have courage and confidence that we serve the living God. 
The gospel is not impotent to perform. It will do what it's set out to accomplish if the people of God take up the call to proclaim the good news of God's kingdom, to multiply and make disciples, to demonstrate His power in all the earth so that we can dominate this earth. Our Father in heaven, Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God, what is it? It's righteousness, holiness, it's peace, and it's joy in the Holy Spirit. You've not been given a spirit of fear, friends, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Maybe the worship team can join me. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the gospel to the nations, you can do so via our website, www.glorycitychurch.com.au. We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer need, please send us an email at infoglorycitychurch.com.au. We would also love to hear your testimonies. You can email these praise reports to info at glorycitychurch.com.au. God bless.